senorita Really nice to meet ya Have some tequila and say This week on Squats and Margaritas, it's 10 Busy Bees blogger, my friend Jane. Jane is the mother of 10. Let's just take a second, really let that sink in. We were at the same event in D.C. about a year ago, and she has since decided to move cross-country with 10 kids, a husband, and a dog. We're going to see how that went. (laughs) We're going to see how virtual schooling is going with 10 kids. How is she balancing it all? Uh, We talk about postpartum depression, why it's okay for moms to ask for help, and how Jane's just doing her best and leaving the rest. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm so good. It's so nice to meet you. I was saying, I don't know if you could see me. I was saying, I don't think we officially met at that event where I found out about you. No, we didn't. I passed by you and I wanted to know who you were. So then I went back and looked on the DC Moms blog and I was like, okay, I want to know who she is. And then we started following each other and just kind of messaged back and forth and connected. So excited to talk to you live. Same. That's what I I kept saying. My friend, I was like, well, she's my Instagram friend. We were at the same event, but literally at the different ends. And I was actually shooting the cover to my book right oh. after that event. So oh I was like full glam, <laughs> following around the champagne. It amazing. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen every day. I was so <laughs> nervous about that and so anxious that I feel like I didn't really talk to anybody, but oh. I was saying um, you won a raffle and they were like, oh, it's Jane, perfect. She has 10 kids. And I was like, <laughs> and they're like, no, she has 10 kids. And I was like, no. And then I was like, I want to know her. And we started following each other. And then you moved to Washington State. I know. How did I- that go with 10 kids? It it was wild. Um, It all happened really quickly. And I didn't have very much time to think about things. And that's probably a good thing. Because now in hindsight, I'm not sure that I would have done it. (laughs) It was crazy. Like we literally threw all the kids, the dog, we did a miserable job packing, and just started driving. And we drove like 500 miles a day. Um, we were in a different hotel every night. Um, it was it was absolutely wild. I have so many questions. Like, how many cars? How many hotel rooms? Okay, so we had two cars. So I have a 15-passenger van. Wow. Yes, and that's my everyday car. And then, <laughs> and then Bill has a regular car. But his car was full of all of the stuff that didn't fit into the moving truck. So he just had himself and a kid. And I had <laughs> nine kids and a dog. The mom always does. Crossing, I know, it always works. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry, honey. I don't have any room for any of the kids or the dog. Um, but we did it. I mean, sometimes we had two hotel rooms. Sometimes we had three. Um, we're really lucky because prior to COVID, my husband was traveling every single week. So he had so many hotel reward points that we could never use because he and I can't get away anywhere. Yes. So we used them all across the country. But all I can think about is if he's traveling every week, you've got 10 kids alone. Yes. Yes. And that's how it's been for a long time. Um, Why during the quarantine, we had that pause. And even though it was hard to have him home every night for dinner was amazing. Like we hadn't had that in years. Um, Really kind of a special point. And that's when we started thinking and prioritizing and saying, hey, We've been so reactionary for so long. Like when you have lots of little kids and you've got big kids and trying to do activities at school. And we had just been running this race for so long. And then we're like, what do we really want the next couple of years to look like? Um, and we really wanted 
uh, more space, more affordability to be able to be outside more and more, you know, Northern Virginia is amazing. There's mm -hmm. so fantastic things being so close to DC, but it is a fast paced area. Yes. Very competitive yes. from kids sports <laughs> to adult things. I mean, it is, and we were just looking for a change of pace. Love it. And how's it going? You know what? It's been wild. Like I knew that it was going to be hard moving during COVID, but <laughs> I quite realized how hard it was going to be um, just because we're in virtual school. So we don't have a single soul. We're in virtual school. The kids haven't had a chance to meet anybody yet because oh. no school, no, no activities. And Washington is behind where Virginia is as far as reopening. Wow. So a lot of the playgrounds aren't open. Um, there's not the sports and activities that are happening. So we're just taking things a day at a time. And I told my kids, you just need to be patient. It's just going to take some time um, for yeah. us to pull and get settled and that kind of stuff. But the area is absolutely beautiful. So that has been great. Amazing. What, let's talk about the kids. What are the ages? Okay. So my oldest is 16 and my youngest is one. So and does I a 16 year old drive? She is getting her license by the end of the month. She needs, that is what, is that going to like change your whole life? <laughs> you know what? Once, once activities start up, it will be life changing. Yes. That was my, I was like, does any of your kids drive yeah. just to give you like a little reprieve? So 16 and one, and then where do the rest fall? So I have a 14 and 11, a 10 and eight, a seven, a five, four, three, and one. Just take a second. <laughs> That's okay. I'll join you. Cheers. Cheers. I'm serious. Every time I am so overwhelmed. Like I say, I'm drowning all the time. And then I think of you, like how you are doing virtual school with 10 kids. You have a one-year-old. I complain. I have a four and a two-year-old and they're on me. And then you've got, so you've got that, but then you've also got like the older kids who need to be like learning. So, I mean, my four-year-old, I can put her in front of the zoom. She doesn't want to do it, but she's not, I don't think she's going to be behind right. in preschool. Like you have kids that are going to be behind if they're not doing the virtual learning. How are yeah. you like with one and then you have a one-year-old that you're like making a snack? Like how, what does a typical virtual learning day look like in your house? So you know that recent um, presidential election debate meme? Yes. It was a hot, it was a, a hot mess. It's yeah. like fire inside a train wreck. That's I, you? Yeah. I pretty much feel like that's us on a daily basis. Oh. And, Talk about drowning. Like I am drowning. I bet. Virtual schooling. Um, my older kids are doing well. I think that virtual school is better for older kids. Okay. Um, they are self-sufficient. They can log into their stuff. They know when things are due. They can do their assignments. It's my elementary kids that I'm really struggling with. Yeah. Because they don't want to be on the Zoom that many times a day. Like they have that glazed over look. My kindergartner is like doing a headstand. Yes like in front of the Zoom. I mean, it's all, and my second grader is like doing cartwheels around the room. It just, they aren't, they aren't learning this way. No. Um, right now I'm kind of in the midst of trying to figure out what to do because we're new to the area. Um, we came for the schools. The schools are supposed to be fantastic. Um, and I'm not judging them on virtual school because this right. is not, this is like emergency mode. Exactly. Um, the teachers have been great. It's just, it's not working for us. And I think when you do have multiple kids doing this, it's really hard. And especially when you have younger ones, because my four-year-old and three-year-old don't understand. No. 
that the kids need to be on their classes and volume and not barging into a room and having a meltdown right outside a big sibling's room who's on a call who has to talk. So I think it's just because I've got every age at every stage. Yeah, <laughs> it's extremely hard. Right. I, I just have a four year old and like when they first started, they see all their classmates. They're all like, hi, they're like trying to mute because yeah. one's like trying to talk to another friend. And I was like, this is a disaster. And then she'll be like, mommy, can I get a snack? And I'm like, it's school. You're in school. Look at the thing. If they don't get it, they're like, they no. see all their friends on a computer. It's so hard. It is. I can't it is. imagine. I think even as an adult, like I wouldn't want to be on that many no. all the day. Right. Um, so it just is hard. And I have to be honest with you, like I have really changed our expectations of things. And like, the, I am not worrying about missed assignments, like we are attending so that I don't get called to truancy. <laughs> um, but we're really we're reading books, we're getting outside. Um, we're doing math when we can, like, we're really just kind of taking the light approach for my elementary kids, because it was like, I had a panic attack yesterday. I saw that. Or and it was so scary. I wasn't sure if I was having a panic attack or a heart attack. Um, and I was oh. like, I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> no, like, it's not. It's hard. This is hard. And yes. the more like women and moms like have this like candid conversation with each other to let other moms who might be watching like feeling the same way that maybe aren't saying it or feeling like they're not stacking up. Like, what do you say to them? Like, it's, it's hard. This is like yeah. unprecedented. Oh my gosh, it's so hard. This is we were not prepared or we were not taught how to parent during this type of time. Right. This is a pandemic. We've had most of our support systems taken away. Like we don't have school. Um, we don't have our, our gym or, you know, our outlets. Yes. Um, we don't have our babysitters. If you don't have family nearby, or even if you do have family nearby, you're not able to see them because you don't want to, um, you know, uh, expose them to germs, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. It's, it's been really hard. And I think what I would say to any mom that is struggling is I would say you're not alone. No. There are so many people that are feeling the same way. Um, uh -uh. And, well, that's sweet. Thank you. Yeah, no, they're right. Um, and I think you have to really take care of yourself and you have to take care of your mental health. You have to prioritize your family's needs. Um, I read a great quote and I wish that I knew who it was by, but they were talking about, um, uh, they had had a conversation with an author and she had talked about um, that you're juggling all these balls in the air and you have to figure out which ones are glass and which ones are plastic. Yes. And like yeah, and I think I have definitely over the past seven, eight months, if I didn't know which ones were glass, I sure as heck know now which ones are glass. And it's my family and it's their mental health. And it's their well-being that's my concern and mine because if I'm not functioning, my house isn't functioning. I same quote. It's a quote. Um, a, a girl that I used to take her class. She was like, "You can't pour from a cup that's not full. So if yeah. you're not filling your cup and you're trying to pour into all these other cups, like you have to fill your cup first. But I think about you. Are you ever alone? Do you have any time to yourself during the day? Honestly, no, I don't. Right. Yes. Like I don't know how you're doing this. Like I'm going from seven o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. And then I usually have somebody that comes into bed at some point, the baby might yeah. be so somebody. And um, during quarantine, when I was in Virginia, my CFO was walking with friends. We would do like a socially distance walking. And we walked during like rain, sleet, you know, no matter what was happening, that was just our activity. You needed it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking for that here. And I just joined um, a bar. I saw. Place. Yeah, so I think that's hopefully going to be my sanity. 
Um, so just a couple times a week to be able to do that, I think is gonna be my sanity. How do you do that? Like, is it the 16 year old is in charge? Like, how do you- no, I mean, so my husband is working in uh, East Coast schedules still. So he's oh. up super early in the morning, but then wraps up at dinner time. So any classes that are in, in the evening that I can take, and they have ones like during Zoom, like during lunchtime and that kind of stuff. So I am, I'm going to make it work. So. I remember this though, and obviously not on the same scale because I just had one, but she was six months old. My husband was coaching football in San Diego and he like college coaching, like he's there all day. So he would get at home at like seven, but there was a class at seven 30 that I can take, but at, at seven 30, like I had nothing left. Like I was like, I, I'm with the baby all day by myself. And I would like start drinking coffee at like five. It just wasn't happening. And it was, yeah. if you want to work out, you got to go at seven 30 at night. But because I was alone all day with the baby and didn't have any help and didn't have any family, it wasn't, I couldn't do it at night. Like it was, it just wasn't a possibility for me. Yeah. So, I mean, I am, I'm not quite sure how it's going to work, but I'm determined to make it work. Because yeah. Because you need that like, for you. Yeah. Do your, what is the 16, is the 16 year old a girl? Yes. So, so my first year girl. So I have a 16, 14 and 11 year old girl and they're so all fantastic. That's what I, I, th I thought about like birth order. I'm always talking about birth order because I'm firstborn and I was a perfectionist, like to a fault. And then it's like my middle sisters were kind of like whatever. And then like, the <laughs> like, I want to know because you have 10 of them, is birth order a thing? Like are your oldest like the more perfectionist or is one yeah. like more, I don't know, like harder to deal with? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. So my middles are definitely, I would classify them as middle children. Mm -hmm. Like they are like trying to figure out their place. They're like constantly pushing everybody's buttons. Yep. Um, that kind of stuff. And my oldest two are interesting um, because my oldest is super creative mm -hmm. uh, and just has this like amazing, kind, creative brain. But then my second born is the one who's the rule follower. So she's mm -hmm. like, okay, like she's more of like a drill sergeant. It's <laughs> like everybody in line. But my oldest is great when I like need to take somebody like one-on-one, -on -one. like, oh my gosh, this kid is losing their mind. Can you please take them? And she's fantastic with that because she's super creative and that kind of stuff. So they make a great team. Yeah. So oh that, my God. I can't. Like, and to, and to have a one-year-old. Like, but a 16-year-old can take the one-year-old. Yeah. Yes. Did you or your husband or both of you come from big families? No. So I'm an only child. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so your, your, your house was a little different than what you grew yes. up in. Yes. My house was really different. Is so. that why you wanted a big family? Because you didn't yes. have siblings? Yeah, I definitely wanted a big family, not having siblings. I always wanted them, um, but I didn't think I would have this size of a family. <laughs> and Bill has one sister, and that's it. So our kids are living a life that we have no reference point for. Like, no. we are up as we go, but it is loud and crazy and amazing and everything in between. I had so many, like, questions about just, like, how, explain, like, how does this go? Like, grocery shopping. How yeah. do you go alone? Who pushes both the carts? Like, how... How do you do grocery shopping? Is it harder to have the kids in there versus yes. you going by yourself? Oh my gosh. So I used to take them prior to COVID. Like I would always have like multiple kids with me in the store. And since COVID, like that, like that honestly has been my like, bye bye. I to the grocery store by myself, like masked up, gloved up, put my uh, AirPods in. Yep. Um, so I, because of the bulk of food that we need to get, I usually go to the grocery store twice a week because as you said, it would be like three carts otherwise. Yeah. And in the house, the kids are going to eat it. So if I got a week's worth of food, it, it would be gone. in two days. <laughs> okay, yeah. that's interesting. I think about that. Yeah, so I go twice a week. I do meal plan 
because if I don't, it's just a mess. Um, and when you have 10 hungry people at five o'clock and you don't know what you're going to have for dinner, it's not a pretty sight. Is it just one thing that you make for dinner? Or are you like a, a restaurant, yeah. like a shorter to cook? No. You, you, this is what's for dinner. And if you That's don't right. want to. <laughs> yeah, so this is what's for dinner. But we do let them have a no thank you cereal. So if oh. they then they can fix themselves a bowl of cereal. So usually that's like the small kids. I like that. Yeah, but we do not do a short order cook. The meal is what it is. And usually we serve family style. So, you know, pasta and sausage and sauce or um, a big, you know, platter for Mexican night, um, things like that. I mean, we keep things really simple because if you're going to make that much food, you want people to eat it. Yeah. So we just keep it simple. As much, as simple as it can be. <laughs> 12 and a dog. Yes. Um, what else do I want? So virtual learning is not not working. We're going to talk about that. Um, a typical day for you, like what time do you have to get up before everybody else just to kind of like give yourself some time to like get a cup of coffee or something? And do you go to bed when your kids go to bed because you're tired or do you just take a little bit of time for yourself? How yeah. You so I have um, pretty early risers. So it's hard for me to get up before them. Yeah. So I have kids up at 6 just on their own. Um, so I can't really get ahead of them too much, no. um, but it's fine. So I, you know, we get up, we, you know, kind of get ready for the day and I do go to bed relatively early. Um, except for my guilty pleasure is I, so I am one of those people where I just don't say curse words. Like I don't, like I have a really clean mouth. Okay. <laughs> I love shows that are like, um, like thrillers and murder mysteries and like, you know, the, they curse out the wazoo. Like, it's so funny. So that's my, like, 45 minutes of me time. So if I think it's yes. best to watch, like, Ozark or The Marvelous Miss Maisel. I know. I love Ozark. I can't. I have to say, I love the first two seasons. And then I started to watch the first episode of season three. And it was so, like, disturbing. I couldn't eat. I was like, I don't even. It's too much now. And I want to see how it ends. But it was, like, it was too much. I couldn't watch it. It's so. See if you can stick with it. Okay. After the first episode. <laughs> because it's it's really good you just have to get past that and there are it's, it's definitely a darker season but it's good. oh great <laughs> and, and that my husband and i can watch together because yeah. the only time that we have together because normally we're just high-fiving each other passing each other yeah how do you how do you keep your marriage alive like you have to be just like teammates for the next like oh my god 17 years yes. because you have a one year <laughs> Yeah. Is that daunting? Or are you both just like, this is what it is right now? Because yeah, I you struggle know, with that with two kids. Yes. I don't have time for him. I think that we made, really made a pact a long time ago that we were like, we're in the trenches, but we're in this together. Mm -hmm. And I think that I couldn't have had 10 kids if I didn't have an amazing partner. No. Um, because it just was one of those things where you really, I mean, you cannot do this alone. No. Um, and just to have him, like, he's just such a partner and our strengths and weaknesses really match each other um like yesterday when I was really yeah. struggling without a question he came right downstairs and said you need to go for a walk like he immediately stepped right in and that's how he's been like I have had really difficult pregnancies where he's had to carry um you know the weight of the family everything on his shoulders and he's just been amazing so you know yeah. I think yeah he's a partner that is an interesting segue though I want to talk about that not only are you taking care of 10 kids, but like birthing them and like carrying them, you dealt with, I, I know I'm going to say it wrong. Could, could you say the HG word? <laughs> yeah. So I have to be honest with you. I pronounce it. It's hyperemesis gravidarum. 
And we just and was it what Kate Middleton had? Yes. Yes. I thought that was it. Okay, so yes. it's like extreme nausea. Like explain, you yes. had this with seven so pregnancies? I had it with seven pregnancies. So it is extreme nausea and vomiting for <sighs> most or the entire pregnancy. Oh my and, God, Jane. Yeah, and it was really, I mean, we, it really took us to our knees. Um, because it's not like you're just pregnant and sick. You have other kids that you're taking yeah. care of. I yeah. can't even imagine that. Yes. So it was definitely, and I didn't know what it was at first because I had it with my 10 year old. Um, so mm -hmm. I had like kind of regular morning sickness with my first three and then some type of switch flipped. And then I had the HG starting with my fourth and I didn't know what happened. Like I was just getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And back then, and even a couple of years ago, there just wasn't the support for it. Um, providers didn't know, you know, enough about it. They weren't, you know, treating us as well. I mean, so I had him early, like he was 36 weeks because I was so ill that yeah. I just couldn't go any further. Um, but I found this amazing online community. You, know, you talk about IG friends. Um, I wasn't on um, social media with my other pregnancies and it wasn't until my last one. Wow. Um, yeah. And I just found this, there is an amazing support. And I think that's one of the amazing things about Instagram and Facebook is that you really can find these groups and these communities that really do support you and help you and lift you up. I know that there are, there's a lot of negative aspects of social yeah. media as well, but I, I feel like as a mom, like I really have found an amazing mom tribe out there and I feel, you know, lucky to have them. And I 100%, like I call you my friend, I call, you know, a ton yes. of my friends because you guys have been there. Like you've been there through, you know, all of these ups and downs. You're a hero to me. Like, I cannot imagine how you were doing it. As much as I'm struggling with two, I cannot even imagine. And it wasn't even just the HG that you had during your pregnancies, but you struggle with postpartum depression. You've been very open about that. And are still yeah. struggling? You know what I am? Well, I mean, I had the panic attack yesterday, so I'm not quite sure. True. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I am sure that I had it before. And I think one of the things that I um, wanted to stress is I think when you are an experienced mom, when you're not a first time mom, mm -hmm. I don't think we're checked as well for postpartum depression. Right. My moms are checked because I think yeah. they're like, oh, you've done this before, you're okay. And that's even if you show up for your sixth appointment postpartum. Yeah. Um, I really think that experienced moms are not being checked as carefully. So I'm sure that I had it in other pregnancies, especially um, I had never heard the word perinatal depression. I didn't know no. you have postpartum depression during your pregnancies. And I definitely mm -hmm. had that. Like, in my sickest pregnancies. Like I thought I was just a bad mom. Like I didn't know that I had perinatal depression. And I saw that word and I like literally was just bawling because nobody Aww. had ever to me during pregnancy and they knew that I was dragging myself around and nobody had ever screamed me um so yes I am a huge advocate for postpartum depression and anxiety I think that it's I think people talking about it is so important and but I still feel like it's in the shadows and I don't think it should just be highlighted one week a year you know during maternal mental health awareness like it needs to be talked about all year long and especially now like moms are facing more challenges than we've ever had before. Yes. And health is so important because we can't, we can't take care of our families. We can't take care of them if our mental health is declining or is not doing well. No, and there's a stigma, like, but I've been very open. Like I take something, I take sertraline, which is 
like an antidepressant, but I take it for my anxiety because I am so like, I was on a plane once and like, I had to get off, like I had my daughter and I feel like my anxiety kind of heightened when I had a child that I was responsible for. And it wasn't like that the plane was gonna crash. I was just, it was almost like I was feeling claustrophobic. Like I wanted to, I was like, if everybody stands up, how am I gonna, I just, I almost like had a panic attack. And I was telling my doctor, he's like, maybe we'll get you on something. And I had another, someone on my podcast about this. She's very open about it. We take the same medication. And she said, my therapist was like, if you have diabetes, you have to take medication to live. If you That's have whatever, so it's the same thing. If you have anxiety, if you have depression, you take medication to be able to live your life. And if you think about yes. it like that, then it's less of a stigma. Yes. It's I totally what you're agree. doing what you need to do for your kids. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I totally agree. And it is just as important as your physical health. Yes. Uh, I think that's such a great way to say that. And I didn't realize how much I was suffering until I wasn't. Like when I started wow. the medication, like I, I looked at pictures from myself a couple months prior to starting the medication and it was like a mask. Like yeah. I wasn't there. I wasn't happy. I wasn't, you know, able to enjoy my baby because I was, you know, feeling so not like myself. Um, and I think that postpartum depression is one of those things where it's so sneaky because it can crop up at the beginning, it can, you know, crop up six months later, or even a year plus after having a baby. Um, and that's where we're not like we do in this country, we do a miserable job taking care of our postpartum mom. Imagine how many appointments you have during your pregnancy. Yeah. And then you only have one after. Right. And, it's, and you're in like the fog. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't feel like what's happening when you're six weeks postpartum. Like, yeah. I really feel like there should be a six month check in. Yeah, on, like some type of like mental health check in because we're really doing our moms a disservice by not taking care of them. But you made a good point. It's like they assume because it's not your first child that you, you know, you understand, you know what it's like, you'll come in if you have a problem. But like, yeah, they don't even check on you. I never even thought about it like that. You get one check in after yes. you have the baby. Yeah. And you and have to like, get yeah, they check on the baby, not on the mom. Yes. And I, and, um, and once I figured out that I had postpartum depression, I didn't even, I didn't even know where to go because yeah. my OB had been my primary doctor for so long. Cause I'd had all these things. <laughs> and so I didn't even know where to go. And thankfully I kind of fell into this nurse practitioner back in Virginia who listened to me and believed me because if somebody had said, Oh, you know, you'll be fine in a couple of weeks. You've got 10 kids. Of course you're you know, nine kids. Of course you're tired. Of course you're not feeling well. I don't think I would have gone back wow. and got for help. And I don't know where we would be at this point. So I'm so thankful yeah. you said, yes, I believe you. And um, everyone that depends on you is so thankful yeah. that you got yeah. that nurse practitioner. Yeah, but I'm just so thankful. And I'm sure that there, um, I had a mom comment on my post yesterday that she had a miscarriage and was, you know, really feeling that her mental health was really struggling. And the doctor said that she didn't have postpartum depression because she didn't deliver the baby. And I said, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I well, you just described, what is it called? Per yeah, perinatal depression. Perinatal Absolutely. Depression. Absolutely. But all those hormones are still there. Yeah. So I still have so far to go in taking care of our postpartum moms, moms have had miscarriages, anything like that, because of course they, she could have postpartum depression. Do you know anyone that's like lot groups that are lobbying for this or like anybody that's watching this that like wants to help with this where they can go? You know, that's a great question. I follow a couple moms on Instagram. I mean, excuse me, a, a couple of groups, um, the mm -hmm. blue dot project. 
okay. is one for postpartum depression and anxiety. Um, research for moms is another one that I follow on Instagram. Um, and anxious moms. And those are all What's the last one? Anxious moms. Anxious. Oh, yeah, I love her, Kendra. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. anxious moms. <laughs> yes. And yeah. also, I, um, and a couple other ones that I follow that um, are just kind of talking about motherhood in general, but really are talking about the mental health side um, is happy as a mother. And there's some underscores in there. Um, but okay. she is great. Um, I think it's like mom brain. Okay. So, um, I can um, send all this to you later. These are great. Um, yeah. Anybody that's watching. There are some really good accounts that are really validating that, hey, you can have depression and anxiety and still be a good mom. You are a good mom. Yeah. And the fact that you are working on it and asking for help and taking medicine or going to therapy, all those things are really important. Um, and you are taking care of yourself and that's what you need to do. But you are a good mom. Yeah, I think that's, you just have to keep saying that. And I said, there's yeah. something you wrote on your Instagram. We're doing our best and leaving the rest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love that because that you do what you can do in glass balls. Yes. I mean, that really is my mantra, I think, for 2020, and it might be going forward. <laughs> we're just going to do our best, and we're leaving the rest. I love it. And yes. how do you just stay so positive? Like, <laughs> when your <laughs> alarm, which is one of your children, goes off at 630, and you're like, here we go again. Like, yes. how do you not really, like, dwell on, like, everything you have to do that day and just get up and be positive yeah. and motivated when you have no time to yourself? How do you – and two people asked me that, and it was one of my questions – how do you just keep that positive, motivated mindset? You know, I think I haven't always been there, but I think experience and perspective is a lot. And I think actually the more kids that I had, the easier it was to do that because you can't dwell. No, on, there's no right? time. Moment. Yeah, there isn't any time to dwell. <laughs> and I really have to get up. I got to put my foot in front of the other and I just have to do it. And, you know, I've done it through health and through sickness and, you know, through all types of things. And you really just have to do it. And I had read a great quote recently that said um, that you want to make your child feel that you're happy to see them, like, in the morning and at the end of the day. And that I was saw that too. Yes. Those yeah, are, like, the times where it means the most to them. It yes, like, matters yes. the most. So in the morning, even though I'm tired you know, I say, Hey, you know, good morning. You know, how are you doing? And I give them a hug. And, you know, I really have like, I think perspective, like I definitely did not do this four or five kids ago. And I was probably <laughs> much, much grumpier and grouchier, but I do think that perspective and experience and age does make a difference. Okay. And it's but, age. What in your experience is the most difficult age? Oh, of kids. Um, mm -hmm. My three-year-olds. Wow. Perfect. Yeah. Anybody Coming right says, up on that. <laughs> yeah, anybody who says twos, I really think it's threes um, because they can talk. And like two, <laughs> they're kind of still doing that transition from like baby to toddler. But man, threes, my three, like all my threes have given me a run for my money. But my, th my current three-year-old might get the medal. Like she is just <laughs> so unbelievably stubborn and strong-willed and fierce. I mean, at any time we go on a walk, like she'll stop. Just sit down on the corner, not budge, not move. And you think I would learn, but I still take her out for a walk. And, but she's so stubborn. Because what else are you going to do? You're going to yeah. leave her at home. I, yeah. Yeah. So, but she really, like, she rules the house right now as far as her mood. Like, if she's happy, she's amazing. 
If she's miserable, <laughs> it's miserable. And everybody knows. <laughs> you are describing my four and a half year old, but that brings me to another question. So four and a half year old is a girl and then I have a two year old boy. Have you seen a big difference between boys and girls? And like, do you parent them differently? Do they respond differently? Like, do you, yeah. or do you treat everyone the same? Okay, I need I, all the tips. Yeah, I think there's definitely a difference <laughs> in boys and girls. And I wouldn't have believed it until I had my boys, but their brains work so differently than my girls. Like they, yes. you know, are magnets. Like they can't keep their hands off each other. No. They're climbing on everything. Everything is a weapon, even though we're <laughs> you know, very anti-violence, anti-guns. Like they make toast into weapons. Like everything becomes, and the sounds that they make, even my <laughs> one-year-old, like he makes truck sounds and like, you know, noises that my girls just didn't make. Like, there, there is definitely a difference. Um, but I, I also love that, too. Like, there's so many amazing things about both girls and boys. But I do feel that they are different. And I do parent them different. And especially my husband, because he really will kind of... And I, and I know that um, dads play differently with kids anyway. Um, but he definitely will kind of get in there with the boys. and Because they're always wrestling. And, yeah, they're definitely different. I wasn't sure if it was the gender or the birth order because my daughter, obviously she was first, she's very like hesitant about things and everything is just kind of, and my son will just knock down the table and like he's hurt all the time, always hits his head, gets up. Is that like, always here? Like my boys, like they had bruises all the time, like just on their temples where they would like he's, run it. He hasn't even really bruised, like he'll hit and I'm like, oh, cause I can't react. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, it's okay. But like, I'm like, oh God. Is and if you react like it's fine, he's he'll just keep rolling with it. But he and, is and knocking it, himself down. Back. Yeah, but I didn't know if that was boy or that was second born, who are just less like cautious. So I do think it's a combination of both, um, because right. my is definitely more cautious than my other ones. Boys and girls that came afterwards are definitely more like jump out of the plane without a parachute. <laughs> um, but I do think that boys and girls are also different as well. I am having trouble with, I, my daughter was just easy. I mean, now she's a little bit challenging, but like she listened to me. Like my son, when you were just saying about sitting on the curb, we went on a walk today. He's laying, we don't have a very busy neighborhood, laying in the middle of the street. And I was like, get up. You're going to get hit by a car. And then you have to pretend like you're leaving. Okay, bye. And then yeah. I'm like, come on. But I can't leave you in the street. So I don't know right. how to like, deal with him. Yeah. And nothing or he, my husband says one thing. Yes, sir. And he's up and I'm like, he does not listen to me. He's the cutest thing you've ever seen. Love him to death, but he doesn't listen to me. He doesn't respect me. I'll be like, get down. And I'll try to say it so sternly. <laughs> he does not care. And until my husband comes down, like, do you have any tips there? <laughs> so you know what's funny is my older kids definitely listened better than my younger kids. And I'm not sure if it's just because there's so many of them that <laughs> are like, okay, let's just gang up and, and do this. But I'm really struggling with my three and four year old because they will pair up together and they won't leave the playground and they won't leave. And I can't carry them both out at the no, same time right. with stroller and other kids. So what do you do? So, I mean, I sometimes have to call an older kid to come to the park with me. Yes. Other times, like I try every bribe, every like tactic, you know, in the books. What is he like? Like, what does he like? Crazy. Oh, he likes trucks. He loves right. trucks. He takes all his trucks. Did your boys always line everything up? Is that a thing? Yes, definitely a thing. Okay. He lines yeah. all his trucks up. Then he puts them all in a bucket 
and he takes them to the playground and then he just sends the trucks down the slides. He puts them in the bucket, walks back up. He'll do it a hundred times if I let him. He's very much just like sequencing. Yeah, that's what yeah. he likes, trucks, dinosaurs. I just trying to think of some way that you could, um, like if he stops in the middle of a walk or is laying down in the middle of, you know, the street or whatever, <laughs> and you can be like, hey, you know, a dinosaur is coming. Let's, or like, or like, let's, let's do the dinosaur yeah. walk or like something hey. like imaginative because I feel like with this age, if they really dug, dig their heels in, like it doesn't work to <laughs> like my, with my three and four year olds, I'll be like, you're not going to have dessert, <laughs> you know, other than like, yes. No, you're I, right. You went to something positive. I never go to something positive. I'm always like, you do not know. Yes. Like, hey, there's a dinosaur. It's always like a threat. And I do well, you know Dr. Becky at home. By yes. chance, Dr. Becky. Okay. I had her on and she was like, you, you make everything a choice, which I know is so powerful. And sometimes yes. I forget to do it. So uh, she's like, you don't come in and say it's time for bath. And right. with me, I'm like, it is bath time. I'll go in like three times. She's like, you go in and you say, hey, you get on their level. You say, hey, I see that you're playing with your dinosaur. I know you're having so much fun, but it's time for bath. And you make them feel seen and understood. And then you give them a choice. Do you want yeah. me to zoom you to the bath like an airplane? Or do we want to have a race to the bath? And yeah. let them choose. And I'm like, she said it. And I was like, yes. But yeah. in the moment, in the moment I'm supposed to go there, but I can't. Yeah, it's so hard to do that when you are in the moment. And well, especially too, if he's in the middle of the street, because I've had that happen too. <laughs> like you just need to get them out of the middle of the street. Yes. Like, I'll tell them, like, look, you can have a ten temper tantrum on the corner. Come to the corner and have your okay. temper tantrum. You can't have Do you want to have your temper tantrum on the corner or in the yard? <laughs> yeah. Give them yeah. a choice. Yeah. <laughs> Just so get out of the street. Out of the street. But I yeah. do try and do something fun to start with. But the but my current three-year-old is, like, she knows all my tricks. And it doesn't work anymore. Um, but it's funny. If I give her a little bit of time, which sometimes we don't have. Like, we have to move on to the next thing. But if I give her a couple minutes to like sit on the corner and pout or whatever, then she'll come on her own. But okay. the more that I force and the more that we butt heads, then it gets worse. So almost like let them come up with it. Like, okay, now I'm ready to get out of the street. Or yes. now I'm ready to start okay. walking again. I Maybe getting I mean, a little more patient. Yes. I think anytime you can make it their idea, that's always better. And I think that works with adults as well. But yeah. <laughs> But it, but it's hard because if you've got someplace to be or someplace to go or they're in the middle of the street, then you don't have the time to do that. Or I'm just, I hate this about myself. Like I'm so like, it's bath time or it's this time. And I wish I was just more like go with the flow, but I, this is my personality. I hate it about myself, but I'll be like, I'll catch myself. I'm like, come on, bath. And my daughter will be like, mommy. And I'm like, what am I, why am I in such a hurry? Like, I don't know why I'm so, like we bought heads because it's my fault that I'm so like, we don't, we're not in a hurry. We're not going anywhere, but I'm always like, we need to get the baths done. And, and I hate that about myself. I wish I could because just relax. I want to get that done and move on to the next. Yes, the next, check it off, bath. And that, how, what is bath time in your house like? Oh my gosh, it's, um, so we, so in our house in Virginia, we did not have a working bath and we only had one working shower. Yeah. No way. Yes. Yeah. How does that work? So we would have to schedule kids oh. to get into the shower. And I was at, at one point writing on our kitchen whiteboard calendar who was getting a, a shower and who was not. Because I would have one kid who every day wanted to get a shower. 
And then I would have another kid who hadn't showered in a week, but kept telling me <laughs> that they'd just gotten a shower. And I couldn't remember <laughs> who was doing what. So the house that we are in on the West Coast now has four bathtubs. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's so many bathrooms. Like that has been thing. So bath time, shower time is much easier. How many are you still bathing? Like how many are you in charge of and how many are independent? Like at what point are they independent? Or yeah. should my daughter so, be independent already? No, I mean, I think it really depends on the child and, you know, that kind of stuff. So my five-year-old like if I set the water for him in the shower and everything, make sure it's the right temperature, like he can wash himself, wash his hair, that kind of stuff, turn off the shower. Wow. We have a great like temperature control thing where it doesn't move from the spot and great. they can't remove it. So great. I would say five and up, but I do have some kids and some boys that I have to make sure they actually are washing with soap <laughs> yeah. in the shower, <laughs> just getting wet and saying that they showered. Um, but I'm still bathing my younger ones, and we have some big tubs, so it's fun because I can still stick them all in this, all in the tub together. So I think my kids have never been as clean as they have in the past. <laughs> See, silver <laughs> lining. That's great. <laughs> and then what after the bath? How do you handle bedtime? Does everybody have the same bedtime? Like, how do you no. do that? So, yeah. So younger kids go to bed earlier. Um, and then middle kids all go to bed at the same time. And then my oldest two have some more flexibility and they can kind of go to bed. But most of my kids are early to bed because they're early risers. What is early so, to bed? Um, I would say, so my baby, so the one-year-old goes to sleep by eight. My <laughs> five crew are like between 8.30, 8.45. Yeah. My middle kids are about nine, but they can read my middle kids. Like, but they have to be in bed reading a book by like 8.30, 8, 8.45. And then my older kids, they're probably asleep by 10. So. Do you put, have to like tuck every person in? Are they all, like all 10 of them expecting like a. So my, <laughs> my, my 11 and under are. So we sing everybody's songs. Um, oh. We do books, you know, kind of every other night. Like we can't do it every night because it's a big production, but everybody gets a song. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So everybody kind of gets a book and then we just say, you know, we check in on our older ones, make sure they're okay, see if they need anything and then head to bed. So it's like, so, I mean, that in itself is a job, like just to get everybody like checked in and into bed and everything. So you are a hero oh. and apparently um, you still have the energy to be an amazing friend. Um, Lauren Gowdy, Gowdy. Yeah. Yes. She messaged me and she's like, on top of everything that you're saying about her. She still has the energy <laughs> to be such a good friend. So I wanted to make sure I put that out there. Well, she is an amazing friend. She, um, so she lives in Portland, which is not too far from here. And she and her sister, who also lives in Portland, we all lived together back in Virginia. And we're best friends. And they were kind of the reason that we made our way out west. So Aww. I'm happy. So you do have a support system there. I do. Yes. Yes. But they're in Portland, um, so they're about 30 minutes away. And then I've met a couple of really awesome moms in the neighborhood, and one in particular who has, like, literally been my lifeline. Um, so that has been awesome. That is what, like, that hurt me the most. Like, I'm not, I'm seriously not even, like, that social person. Like, I look forward to the time. Like, as soon as my kids go to bed, just the time by myself. But yeah. when it, when everything shut down, like, not to be able to, like, go to lunch with my girlfriends and just have, like, a vent or that hurt me yeah, yeah. <laughs> that Miss made me mom friends so much yes, mom friends yes and i really i think you don't have to have a ton of mom friends no but right 
a mom, you do need to have those mom friends because they understand, you know, the being up, you know, at night with an infant or with a sick baby or, you know, the different stages, the toddler tantrums and, you know, what's happening with you and your spouse. And I mean, I really do think that, and not that I don't love my friends that don't have children. I just think that they have just a different place and people come to you at different times when you need them in different seasons. But I really do feel like you need a couple of good mom friends to help you yes. through because it really does take a village. It takes yeah. a village to raise a mom. It takes a village to raise a family. Yeah, just to feel like heard and understood. It's like you can talk yeah. to your husband and it's not the same. Yeah. I'm mainly struggling right now because of like the, my, I have a brand now and I have a podcast and I didn't have that before. I was just at home with my two kids. I feel like they're looking at me because I'm there and, but I'm working and they're like, mommy. And they like want my attention, especially with their ages. And I feel like I cry sometimes at night because I feel so guilty that I wasn't present with them. Do you have any tips for that? Like when you do need to get something done, but I don't know, I, I feel like I'm giving half to my work. I'm giving half to my kids and nobody's really getting much from me <laughs> because I'm kind of all spread out. Like just managing my time so that everybody can feel like they're getting a hundred percent of me. But see, I think that you can't do that because you only have 100% to give. Yeah. But I think that sure. what you just described, I think every mom feels that way. Whether they work in the house, they work out of the house, you know, stay-at-home moms, I think everybody feels that way, that they're not giving 100% to everybody. Because you only have 100% to give. When you have two kids, that gets divided. When you have 10 kids, that gets yeah. divided. And then you add in other obligations. And, and a spouse. You know, <laughs> And, and a spouse, and they each get a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, but I think you're doing an amazing job. But like, honestly, I feel like, I don't know where you guys, I feel like my husband like, was like, wait a minute, like, <laughs> you have a thing now, and it like puts more on his plate. And he's been good, and yeah. he's retired, so he isn't working. So he'll take them for a couple hours a day. And it, I, if I were him, and I were saying to my, to him, I just need, I need two and a half hours. And I brought the kids back and we're like, here you go. I would be like, I just gave you two and a half hours. But Jane, I can't, it's not enough. Like I cannot get all the work stuff. If I want to get in a run, which I need for my mental sanity to be able to come back to my kids. It's not even for like the fitness. It's just to like have a moment. And if I do a run, then I don't get what I needed to do for work. And the way my brain works, if I don't finish what I'm doing, if I'm like almost done with it and they walk in, I'm kind of like, hey, I can't shut it off. And then I feel like I'm talking to my kids, but I'm thinking about work and him giving me two and a half hours a day is not, it's not enough. And I, I don't blame him for being like, listen, I took him for two and a half hours. So it's like, then moms will be like set an alarm, like get up for them. But my son, he goes down, they both go down, but both of them join me at some point and I don't sleep well. So it's like, I try to get up early doesn't work. And then like yeah. you and I talked about at the end of the night, I just want 45 minutes, nobody on me, nobody talking to me by myself. So I, I could go to sleep 45 minutes earlier, but I think you understand that too. Like, I oh, don't know where to. You have to have just that little bit of downtime, whatever yes. that, like, whenever that is. And I think too, I think one of the things about just women in general is we feel bad asking for help. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like we okay. feel bad. We should be able to do all this. And we are doing all of it, but it's also okay to ask for help and say, hey, I need us to carve out these times where I can dedicate to work so that I can be present during the other times. 
That's what I want to be present and not thinking about something else. The yes, reason I feel guilty is I see moms doing it. They go to work, then they pick up their kids and they don't have help and they don't have a nanny. So I'm like, everyone can do this. I need to do this. So I don't get help. I don't have a nanny or, or daycare. They're home with us. We're not doing school yeah. because both of us are home. So we're like, we're not going to chance it. You will see if we had to go back to work, sure, they'd be in school. But so they're here with me and I'm doing this thing. And I just feel like I'm just like <laughs> paddling. So, and well, you're all these balls, right? Like everything is yes. just air. Yes, um, but glass, summer I, glass. But I have to be honest <laughs> with you. I think every mother, every single mother, everything that you just said, I think we all feel that in some way. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's just our nature or if it's just women or mothers, but it's okay to ask for help. And it's okay to say, hey, I need this time to do this. And I, just, I think I feel like all... other moms aren't asking and they're doing oh it. My God. So I'm like, I'm going to do it too. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, of course they are. And I think, any, I mean, and I think it's so hard right now with social media because what you see out there is somebody's highlight reel. It's not yes. <laughs> reality. <laughs> why I love stories. I love Instagram stories because I really feel like you get kind of more of, you know, the insider view of people. But yeah. nobody can do this on their own. We can't, like, you have to ask for help. It's okay to feel like you're juggling all these things and you're not doing things 100%. Like, and especially right now. And you have two young kids, like yeah. four and two. They're young and they need yeah. you. Um, and there's so much that you have to do for them and with them and that kind of stuff. I think you need to be kind to yourself and give yourself lots of kindness and grace because you're doing an amazing job. And it's Thank okay you. to ask for help. I just don't want them to think that I'm, like, choosing. Like, I might... And you know, like you, you're a vlogger, like our phones are everything. Like I'm on yeah. my phone all the time, but I'm working or sometimes I'm sending in like my grocery pickup order. Like I'm not just on my phone. I'm doing something for the family, but I always feel like I'm like one second, one sec, okay, one second. And then like, they come in, like get right in my face. I'm like, okay, put the phone down, yeah. lock in with them. But then I'm like, I'm not getting done the things that I have obligations to get done. And I do want to do this. So I need to make it work, but I don't have help. Um, except for my husband taking them two and a half hours a day, which who even has that? I hear myself right now. Like, I'm so lucky, but I don't get everything done. It's not enough. Or if I do those things, the house is a wreck and that messes with me. If I look around in this house, like when you were talking about the glass and the plastic balls, like yeah. obviously the kids are the glass and the cleanliness of my house is a plastic ball, but it bothers me. When my house is clean and he brings them home and I'm like, I feel like I'm on top of the world. I can like lock in with the kids it really bothers me. Like sometimes I'm like, the playroom is closed. And my husband's like, you cannot close the playroom. It's the playroom. I'm like, but I just cleaned it. And he's like, listen to yourself. But I feel better when my playroom yeah. is closed. I just and feel I, it a bit. And I think everybody is different with what those triggers are. Like, yeah. I think it really does depend on your personality and, and that kind of stuff. But if that's something that bothers you, it really does bother you. Yes. Like that's not picking up. That's not something that, you know, you're being you know, petty about that, something that's bothering you. But I think this, and again, this is all, this all happened for you during quarantine. Like all the, so a lot of options aren't open to you right now as no. far as, you know, you know, daycare and it just, you don't, you don't have to do it right now. So you don't want to risk having to do it, which I completely understand. So I think right now you just kind of have to, you have to do your best and leave the rest. And that is a hard thing to come to terms with, but there's going to be some and some things that you have to hang on to. But I think it's a forever struggle. I think moms 200 years, 300 years ago probably dealt with it and they're going to deal with it 300 years from now. There's always this struggle. 
where I'm not giving enough at home. I'm not giving enough at work. I'm not First giving enough house. at house. Like I'm like, I, by the time I knock out of my work and get the kids bathed, everybody's fed. I just want to sit. I don't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> and it's like, that should be the time where I give time to my husband, but like, I don't have anything left. And I only have two kids and I'm complaining. I I'm catching myself complaining to someone that has 10. But can I tell you something? Cause people say that all the time to me, they say, I can't complain to you. No. And I, and I say, yes, you can, because I get it. You can always complain to me because I get it. I've been there. I've been through it and I can tell you, you're going to get to the other side, but man, it is hard during that time, but yeah. you can always complain to me because I get it. I totally get it. And it's, it's even if like their basic needs are being met, like I could be like, yeah, I make dinner for everyone. Everyone's bathed, everyone's in bed, but it's more like I, I wasn't in like present with them today. And do they notice that? And I'll pray before I go to bed, like just be present. And then it's just like, they wake up so early and it's like, I already start like yeah. on a bad note, like, cause I'm not rested cause they're in my bed at night. And I, I want to be present. I guess the fact that I want to be that way is like a good start that I'm not just like, whatever, they got clothes and food and <laughs> basically, they have but I just, but I, you are, you are with them. You are being present. And I'm I think physically with them. No, but you are. One of the things I think I noticed the more children we had, we talk about that 100%. And I made more, I really had to take advantage of those small moments. Like it wasn't big moments. Like we weren't able to all like go to an amusement park or, you know, go out to dinner or go to the movies. It was those small moments, like playing a 10 minute game of matching or playing trucks with your son on the floor or dinosaurs. That 10 minutes, 20 minutes, like that is huge. So big and for I them. And I think if you think about it in small moments, it's not as daunting. You're right. And is it more, do you try to have like one-on-one -on -one time with each of them as hard as that has to be for you? I have, or just to, honest, I have to ask with you, I don't. Um, I wish that I could. And I know that there's a lot of families that do try and do those one-on-one -on -one times, but I think it happens naturally, um, like, or in smaller groups, but that's why yeah. we really, and that you, we talked about that our nighttime routine. And one of the reasons that we do that is because that might have been the one-on-one -on -one time for that day with that kid. Because if it was a yeah. crazy day and, you know, somebody was sick or something was happening. And so we really do make a point to have like some type of connection, but it's a small moment connection, not necessarily like a date out of the house type of thing. Okay. But it's small, maybe small moment to you, but like, it's like makes their whole day that you- Oh my gosh, yeah. And, I, yeah. and I think that you do have to think about it that way that, you know, a small moment to them is huge. So. Totally. No, you're, I, you're putting everything into perspective. Um, I see this like I, 10 o'clock. <laughs> the comments too. And I saw that. Yeah. I mean, I know that it's hard right now to have somebody from the outside come into your house. Yeah. But at some point, like that is like, we have over the years had amazing sitters that have helped us. And that's made such a huge difference to like, you know, have that, you know, time to get something done. But I just know that right now is just a hard time. That's actually no, one exactly. of our... Yeah, the the person that's right there. Our long time <laughs> She's now she's not it, married and all that stuff. But she is she still here in Northern Virginia? She's still here in Virginia, but she is married. She yeah, I don't think she can help you. But <laughs> um, message me. I'll see. But I'll see what I can do. I'll see if I have any. Because <laughs> yeah. that you you just made the best point. Like, had I gotten all this opportunity at any other time, not feeling sorry yeah. for myself, 
they would be in school and I could yeah. go into the studio and do my show and on the way home, pick them up, knowing that I knocked everything out and then at three o'clock for the rest of the day, be locked in with them. But both are happening at the same time this whole time. We haven't, we don't have a nanny or anything because I think my husband is super COVID cautious, which he should be, like I get that. And I, but it, any other time that this opportunity would come, it would be like, of course, I'm home. But now I've got both of my kids and but it's fine. Everybody, what is it? We're doing our best and leaving the rest. <laughs> but I think but I, you just nailed it. Like it, I mean, this is just such a time for so many people that, yeah. you know, gosh, I mean, there's so many people that are dealing with all of these struggles and all these pulls and pushes and they just don't have their support systems in place no. to be able to get everything done because of, you know, COVID right now. And it's just, yeah. So I think everything that you're saying, I think so many people can identify with. Same with you. You have brought everything into perspective. You're a hero, whether oh, you accept you. it or not. I, I am so glad, even though we didn't meet that day, I'm so glad that we <laughs> connected, even though you moved across the country. Um, I am as well. I, I love your honesty and I love, I've been listening to a couple of your podcasts and I love you. your openness about um, your history and about, you know, body image and balance and things like that. Yeah. Having so many daughters, um, it's really important to talk about it and yes. for me to that. And I have a couple that are really competitive in sports and they want to be collegiate athletes. And I was listening to you and I was like, oh God, I don't want them to put all this pressure on themselves. But there is just naturally, there is so much pressure uh, once you get to a certain level. Um, and one of the ask you is do you have any advice for so, yeah, girls I, that in sports and want to play collegiate are they the old so I assume they're the older ones yes so for me again back to birth order I had four I, I was one of four girls I had three younger sisters all four of us believe it or not played uh, division one soccer in college and my dad was a kicker and punter um in the NFL so it was like it's funny that we all like were kickers and played soccer but anyway <laughs> None of, them, <laughs> none of them dealt with the, any of the stuff that I did. Like, that's why I feel like I'm so obsessed with birth order. I was so, I was such a perfectionist. And like, I, in high school, I had, I felt like I had a lot on my shoulder. I was prom queen, homecoming queen, captain of the soccer team. And I feel like it was a lot on me to like uphold that. Like, I didn't want to gain weight because everybody felt a certain way about me. And it's a lot, it is a lot of pressure. And I had to do this journey project that I wrote. Um, I have it like still in high school or senior year. It was like, what do you want for yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 25 years? And it is so sad to like think how I used to like soccer was everything to me. And it didn't matter if I was homecoming, being prom queen, none of that mattered. I said, I said in my book, I would have relinquished both crowns to make sure that I had a like solid college soccer career. And because it was so important to me. And then when I went to college, it didn't work out. I ended up quitting because I was such a perfectionist. I won every like fitness test when we got in there because I, I was training all summer and I wasn't playing a lot. And that impacted me so much because I wasn't used to ever coming off the field. And now I wasn't even seeing the field. And I have a, a lot of stuff about fairness and like, I felt like it wasn't fair. So I quit. And when I quit and I lost that soccer identity, like the only thing that mattered to me, everything spiraled downward, like the depression, the weight gain, the bulimia to like try to fix the weight gain everything and I didn't realize it till I was writing my book it all went downhill when I lost that soccer identity so you want to push yourself obviously you want them to like want to do well but 
there's a point where it can go too far. And I remember mm -hmm. like coaches talking to me in high school, like they're like, you're losing a lot of weight. And I wouldn't listen. Nothing was like registering until they would put it in soccer terms. Like your crosses aren't as strong. And I would be like, I'm sorry, what like soccer <laughs> is now called into question. But instead of me being like, oh my gosh, no, I need to eat more. I tried to like show them like I'm fine and like run faster and like, I was in it, I wouldn't like admit that I had a problem. So like perfectionism and wanting to, to succeed and get a division one scholarship it, is a great thing because I wouldn't say my younger sisters were as driven as I was in that regard. They all got scholarships, but it was kind of like, you know, if I make it, I make it, which is the personality I wish I had, but I didn't have it. I was, it had to be a certain way and I wasn't playing and I quit if it's not, because it's not fair. So it can go to a negative place. And it, I had all my research for my book, it's hereditary. So I'm so scared about my daughter. I got goosebumps when you said that because I watch her and I watch everything I say in front of her. Like I would never think that you would ever say anything. Like my mom was dieting a lot. Yeah. So I, I grew up around a dieting culture. Not that it has anything like it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with my mom dieting that I went down that path. But I think if there's some, a child that's susceptible to that kind of, obsessive behavior like an eating disorder or obsessive about soccer then maybe really watch what you say in front of them watch what they're exposed to like on tv because wanting to be a perfectionist can go to a negative point so and i was hiding it like nobody knew nobody knew about my bulimia nobody knew about anything i was just trying to uphold this image that was given to me and it was should have been exciting but it was almost like something that i had to you know uphold and be a certain way and then i when i felt like i couldn't do that anymore i started like abusing my body and struggling because that's what so, you had control over at the time yes it's, it's a lot about control yes but now i mean once you it's so funny i never thought i would tell anyone about it and i had a writing coach writing the book like she was helping me and i would write all this stuff and she she'd read i sent it to her and she'd be like this is a little vague rework this and every time it was vague it was because it was like eating disorder stuff and i was like well i was not going to share it mm. so then i sent her something else and she's like how does anybody like trust you or or believe that you weren't always in shape and i was like oh no i i really struggled but i'm not really i want to just help women like i want to talk about what i found now and she's like no one is gonna like give you any kind of credibility so i fought her and then i just wrote it and i sent it in and she was like this is your book and it went a whole different route like the whole i told about my struggle and then i found balance at 37 like much later in life and after two decades from 16 to 37 i struggled 20 years mm -hmm. so i wrote it and it was like i was saying this to say once i put it out there and not even like said it to somebody but wrote it and sent it in it was out and then it was like I said, I share everything now. Like I share too much now and I, I am very open. If, and I think it's because the one big secret that I had, once I shared that, it was like, nothing else is like that important to me. Like I, I put on Instagram story earlier and I was like, oh my God, my kids are being so loud. And then I saw myself and I was like, oh, like I don't even, <laughs> I don't care. I wouldn't like go get myself ready. Yeah. I, I don't care. Like, and I was so particular about everything before and I would never, always want to make everything look perfect. Once you share like the big thing, nothing is scary anymore to share. It's just, I got to share everything. You're, you live once, you, you don't know how long you're gonna be on this earth. It's like, be who you are. That's how you make these connections because other women see themselves in, the, in you and they're like, oh my God, me too, I've just never said it. Like the women that messaged me that read my book, 
that are like, I struggle too. I, you're the first person I've told, but I'm a safe person to tell because I, I went through it. That's why I like talking to you about parenting. Like, you know, you've been through it. So I'm like, I'm struggling. It's so easy to talk to you about it because you get it. I think the minute that you say that, like, hey, I'm struggling or I struggled, people yes. want, they, they want you to be authentic. They want you to be real. And I think yeah. anytime you see that picture perfect, like I've started to unfollow people that everything is so picture perfect. And because that's not my reality. And I don't want you to make me feel bad because that's not my reality. And I, I think you're right that you can release some of those secrets because they're what keeps us trapped and keeps us sick and keeps us, you know, and I, and I have gotten so much better about sharing things. Like the first time that I said I had postpartum depression, like it was like this, like this, you know, but I was scared. I was scared to say it. And I'm, you know, that I said I had, you know, hyper gravidarum. I was so afraid that people were going to judge me. Why did you have that many kids? Why did you do it again and again? Um, and I think you're right. I think once you release some of those things, it's, it makes such a, it, it does make such a difference. I think your soul is lighter and. Yeah. Your soul is lighter. A hundred percent. Yeah. That was me about anxiety. I was talking and honestly, we were doing the podcast live and she, um, she was talking about anxiety. She's like, I've been on, um, medication for my anxiety. And I was like, Oh, me too. And just like casually, she's like, Oh, what do you take? And I was like, Oh my God, like everybody's watching this. And it was kind of, but I was like, here it is, search your lean. She's like, oh, it's Zoloft. And I was like, okay. And then like people were commenting, like normalize it. And that, yeah. that was a woman that was like, my doctor was like, if you have diabetes, you take medicine to live. This is a condition. Like yeah. you're, my doctor was like, we need to bring you down a little bit. Make sure you're, you're in charge of these people. Like there's no, there shouldn't be shame in it. And like women that are so worried about sharing who they really are, but that's how you like, connect and like really get oh to know God. someone and feel seen and understood and you, exactly. life is more meaningful when you just put it yeah. out there and i think you know saying that motherhood is hard doesn't yes. mean that you love motherhood right you, like you can think it's hard and you can love it at the same time and i feel like motherhood all of those extremes all at the same time <laughs> you're like yes. please don't me, but come back for one more hug <laughs> um, right. and, and, it's, and it's totally okay to feel that way because, yeah. and I think that sometimes we feel shamed when we say, gosh, it was a hard day or this is hard. It means that we don't want it. We do want it. That's a good um, point. But it's okay to say that it's hard because it is, but it's one of the best things that you'll ever do. Um, and anything right. that is worth doing, you're going to put in the blood, sweat, and tears. So. And I, anytime I put something out about my toddler, like, does anybody want to, there's a two-year-old on the front step, if anybody, like, and people will be like, you're going to miss it. And I, it takes me, like, people will put it into perspective, like, I would do anything, when I talk about my kid being in the bed at night, I would do anything to get those cuddles back at night. And I'm like, okay, like, be present. It doesn't last forever, yeah. but it's hard. It is. <laughs> it's hard it in is. the moment. But I'm yes. going to miss it. And it's totally okay. So, and I, I do think it's hard though, especially when people say to like new parents or, you know, parents that are conscious or if you have postpartum depression, you know, enjoy the moment. You can't always enjoy the <laughs> Sometimes the moment is really hard and you just need to get through the moment. You don't have yeah. to enjoy it. You don't have to love it, um, but you're going to get through it and you're going to get to their yeah. side. And I think that's one of the, uh, that's one of the things that I loved about having a second child and subsequent children because gosh, with that first baby, like you don't know, is this stage ever gonna end? 
am I ever going to sleep again? Am I ever, you know, is this ever going to end? And I think that's one of the special things about having a second and so forth is that you know that this is, you know, not permanent, that this, this is too shall pass. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they're bond. Like Yeah. And I wish that I could give some of that experience and wisdom to first time parents because it is so hard because you really can't enjoy a lot of those moments because you're like, gosh, I just like, I'm so tired. I, I just need to get through this. And then people tell you the days are long and the years are short. And you're like, yeah, but it, my daughter, I can't believe my daughter's four and a half. Like I, I just had her. She's four and a half. I, but they are so bonded together. Like my son is two. So my husband's like, he's not ready yet. Even though Montessori would take him. But he's like, Amaya may be ready. And I was like, do you think that I would send her? That would hurt me. They're best friends. Like they play together. So if I sent her to school, it would hurt me. First of all, it would hurt obviously hurt him that to not have her at school like she wants to go to school but he I mean he wants her here so I said it's either it's it they're a package deal they're going to school or they're staying home because they love each other like it won't and he's like no you'll have more time to work and I was like the two-year-old like he's <laughs> like you said yeah, the four-year-old's hurting me they're yeah. she's like doing puppet shows and just like their bond is so sweet and I feel like they just kind of went into that groove like when he got like a little older than two and it's, it's really Thing to see that um, when you have more than one child to see that bond and to see how they got. Now, I do believe me, I do have some that are oil and water and they yeah. just, you know, pick at each other and push those buttons and things like that. And for me as an only child, that was really hard. Like the bickering is like nails on a chalkboard because I didn't have that as a kid. So trying yeah. to figure out when to step in, when not to step in, you know, how to kind of let them work on their relationships has been hard to figure out. You figured it all out. I so appreciate it. I wish we could have met each other before you moved away, but I love our virtual relationship. Yeah. Yes, and I so well. <laughs> and know that I'm cheering for you and I'm so happy with everything that has come your way. It's definitely been hard earned. And I Thank think that, you. yeah, and I think that you should be proud of yourself. Give yourself kindness and grace because you're doing an amazing job and you're juggling the balls and you're not dropping the glass ones. And there it is, Jane dropping all her mom knowledge. When you're juggling all the balls, realize which ones are plastic and which ones are glass. Such great tips. Thank you so much for your time, Jane. If you aren't following her already, it's 10 Busy Bees Family on Instagram. And thank you guys so much for listening. Like she said, it's so hard right now. Just do your best and leave the rest. And if you haven't subscribed to the Squats and Margaritas podcast, please go do that right now so you don't miss another episode. We're on all major platforms, and I will see you next week for Squats and Margaritas. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed.
plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.